Charlie girl, you on the different side of the table today. I know, you know, I thought I'd change it up. Hey, Corey girl. Hey, Yolanda Boo. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Corey. Hey, Yolanda. So who's on the show this week, ladies? All right. I've been watched Master of None this week because I'm a huge fan of it. And Lena Waithe is in town. Boop, boop, boop. Love her. Love her. Yep. Denise. And the Thanksgiving episode gave me so much life. Angela Bassett. And I'm glad that she was here to give us all the tea about making that episode. Yes. Ooh, ooh. And, and over in the love department, we have the Wilkes. Now, y'all know I had to dig into some real couple love on the show. Um, they are pastors college sweethearts and they really know all about faith and love and, and publicists and one's a publicist and mm-hmm. one's a minister and I think mm-hmm. they're also ministers together and they just really talk about a faith based marriage and you know who doesn't need a little faith in their marriage do they pray before they have sex <gasps> oh let's see if I ask them that alright alright that's a good question it. I'm just curious <laughs> curious but in the meantime we have lots of hot topics yo okay. so much happened this week can I start with a story? Go ahead. So it was Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I called my nanny. Oh. Now everybody's, you know. Wait, your nanny? My nanny. So we call her nanny. Okay. She's my grandma. I'll just check. So my nanny. Mm-hmm. N-A-N-N-I-E. I don't know why we call her that, actually. She lives in Virginia. Um, You know, there's mamas, big mamas, Grammy. I got a you big know, mama. You got a big mama. Yolanda, what which, which, which y'all call your grandma? Go, go. Go, see? Everybody oh, got a, a cuddly nickname for their grandma. So anyway, I call her my nanny. I'm like, happy Mother's Day, nanny. I love you. Like, would you do this way? And she's like, oh, my un- your uncle made me breakfast. And then she was like, oh, you you still can't cook, right? So I was like, okay. I was like, I'm calling to give you love, but that's cool. I was like, no, nanny, I, st- I still can't cook. But, you know, it's okay. I haven't had kids yet. So when I have them, I have to feed them. So I'll learn. And she was like, oh, you're still doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, nanny. I was like, did you just write off my uterus? Y'all, she said, oh, you're still doing that? Like, they, like that's what we're doing? I'm turning 35 in September, y'all. My husband and I, granted, have been married seven years in October, but my grandma wrote off my uterus. She gave you uterus shade. Uterus shade. Uterine shade. On shade. Mother's so Day. Funny. On oh Mother's Day. She was dead serious. So then it got me thinking, like, all the things people shade you for in, after 35. They'd be like, oh, wait, you're getting married. Are you still doing that? You're switching careers. Like, oh, oh, you're still doing Jesus, that? Jesus, as though 35 is so old. Right. Like, stop it, people. Oh I have the babies. Well, my big mama was also shady this weekend. What'd she do? <laughs> so, and I love you, Big Mama. I do. But I ordered flowers. I ain't gonna front. I was a little late. I ordered them Thursday <laughs> to get to Maryland Great. on Sunday. And my Big Mama lives with my mother. Oh. Right? So I made two different orders. But all the same order. But, you know, I made sure that this was addressed. This was, you know, this separate was cards. a name. Separate, separate cards. Thought that, you know, I won't name this company, but I feel like naming this company would get it right. So only my Big Mama's flowers were delivered on Mother's Day. Okay. And then Big Mama, as the day goes on and my mother's flowers don't arrive, Big Big Mama says to my mother, that's a shame Corey didn't send you flowers. (laughs) (laughs) When my mama told me that, I was like, why why would she say that? And apparently she started calling around her friends, Corey didn't send uh, Katrina any flowers. But you sent her (laughs) some. <laughs> and I told mama, it's coming, it's coming. And But you know, all I could think though, this is where you know you still love your family. Mm-hmm. Thank God my big mama's flowers came first. First. Oh, can you imagine? Can, you can imagine? I imagine? They would have been, been talking about you at church for every Sunday oh, for the rest of 2017. God. But see how, but now I'll give big mama a little dementia, just a little bit. 
That woman's still clear-minded, though. 98. <laughs> and honestly, 98? 98. Ooh, so my grandma's 87, and all I kept thinking is, you know what? She can say whatever the hell she wants. She's yep. 87 years. She's she might have hurt my feelings today. Right, but, you know, she just, I feel like when you get past a certain age, they just, those black old black women, they just say. Yeah. And they don't care how you feel. No, they don't. They don't, yeah. <laughs> You know, I wish there was an old black woman at the White House. Ooh, just sitting in the Oval Office like, Donald, what you doing now? Mm. This bullshit he just pulled. (laughs) Can we talk about this week in the Chronicles of 45? Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, first of all, since the last time we met, what has happened? He fired, wait, he fired Comey the day we met last night. Yes, Mm -hmm. the day before. the day before and then I feel like something else happened this weekend but then there was this this Comey memo that came out yesterday yeah where now he has it's I don't know if it, this is the part when you listen to the news because no one knows that if he actually went on record but he basically asked him to step to stop investigating Michael Russia. Flynn yeah mm-hmm. like just stop doing it yeah a Matthew. clear obstruction of justice clear girl. meanwhile Trump supporters on Twitter what are they saying nothing they, they, girl Wow. They it's they, they act as if like this isn't real life. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're still with him. It's good. It's fine. Really? I love SNL this weekend. They were like, did oh, we get so him? Bad. Did we get him? Did we get? And nope. then it, nope. You didn't get him. But I can't wait for this movie. I don't know if yeah. I said this last week, Which but movie? the oh, movie just, they're gonna make about this. Oh, yeah. the movie's gonna this be epic. Just, but you know what? I've decided to just like like when I'm about to go to bed or waking up in the morning, I don't watch the news anymore because I cannot be alarmed by this person anymore. So I'm like to keep my sanity. I'm gonna either you know watch the news during the day, but not before I go to sleep and not when I wake up because there is always some bullshit. Mental health break. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Sometimes we need a moment. And it's like cause it's alarming every it morning. It oh is. shit, what do you do now? Yeah. You know? So, so well, you know, in the spirit of a mental health break, did y'all see the male romper Oh my God. shenanigans? What is that? So I'm, I'm seeing the memes, but I don't get it. Like, Yolanda, break it down. Oh my God. So there's this company called ACED Design. I guess they wanted. They started a Kickstarter to kind of get their company going. The male romper, <laughs> romp him. Um, they're calling it romp him. Your new favorite summer outfit. And it's this company. I guess they're in Brooklyn. They want money. No, they're in Chicago. I'm sorry. They're trying to get people to help them start a fashion revolution. So of course, Twitters. The Twitters. Twitters. <laughs> I love Twitter so much. First, it was just you know mainstream Twitter, and then my God, when Black Twitter got to them, it was yo. It's the funniest. Romp him. Romp him. Well, actually, the romp him is the name of the company. Like, oh, that's, that's what the they're thing. Calling it. Right, I'm thing. googling this right now. It's the thing. But I mean, I don't know if you guys have been on like you've seen the memes. Like, so are people here for men and rompers or not here? For they're men not and here for men and rompers. But it's just. A, it's not like we have a choice, but it's like it's just really funny. <laughs> Wait, so I pull, I Google the first thing is an Esquire story. The, the headline is the bro romper exists, and I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As much as I'm like all about like you know have your own style and do what you do, if my husband stepped out in a romper and oh a pastel and a pastel romper, I'd be like, who is going where with you? Because I'm not her. I don't we even don't, wear a romper. I, I love a good romper, though. Really? In the Granted, summer. my husband would probably look better in a romper than me, but... <laughs> yeah, but, you would. know, I like what Bob said. Shout out, Bob. He said rom- men and rompers can exist like a Coachella, like a certain area. Yeah, like maybe a moment. Afro-punk. I yes. can see that there, but yes. not just like on like the... On the, mm-hmm. on the red. I, yeah. You can not on the off. D train. Not on the D not train. On the not D D train. D train. I'm no. like, how you go? When you sit, what happens? Not at Whole Foods, not at the bank. 
not at the lake in the summer. Let's not do that. And don't tell me that you're doing it for the gram because it will not translate. So when it's time to pee, like, do you just unbutton that one button? Which is honestly why I I love rompers, but I hate them, y'all. Because can I tell you a real talk story? Real quick, real quick. Every time I wear a romper to be cute, like a catsuit romper, summer romper, whatever, that's the one wear. Because inevitably, I drink a few things, you know, go out with my girlfriends, and I have to go to the bathroom, and there's a line. And by the time I get there and I can't get that button, Mm. I just rip it. I know. Mm. Come on. High five if you have. High five. Just rip that button and call it a day and say one wear. Thank you for being good to me tonight. (laughs) R.I.P. Lord. What are y'all watching? What y'all watching? Because there was some good TV these last couple of days. American Gods is so good. Is it just me? Yes, I've heard everything about it. Charlie, I listened to you. Okay. And I watched it last night. And? The blood is real. The blood is real. But I do like Bellatrix. Is it Bellatrix? It's not Bellatrix. Who's the the goddess? The one, the sex god? Well, I don't know if she's a sex goddess, but she's getting very sexual. I don't know. I'm still learning, because I didn't read the book. Yeah. So I'm still learning the the characters at play, Mm -hmm. but the visuals and the story plot, the plot and the story, I'm into it, Corey. Well, shout out to Ricky Whittle. I know. This mofo is fine. We need to get him in the podcast. Oh, yes. And then I looked him up. He's British. Oh, so let me tell Mm y'all. Ricky Whittle was on Single Ladies back in the day on VH1. And he we covered him on iCandy on Essence.com and, you know, whatever. And so when I saw it, I was like, wait, is that Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) Ricky, Ricky? (laughs) Ricky Whittle? Because this is a huge role for him. Yeah, nice. no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm. Yeah, we. I'm, a, I'm gonna do some uh, publicist outreach when we get yeah, when, let's we, do when this. we finish. Also, I, I was a little late, just about two weeks to Dear White People, but I finally watched it all. Oh, Netflix. And can I talk about Coco? Nice. An Antoinette. Wait, let me get her name right. But she, whoever the actress is playing Coco, her name is Antoinette. I don't know her last name, but hold, give me a second. But anyway, she is bomb. She nice. is. She is. She is my Woman Wednesday crush, Antoinette Robertson. Nice. She did this whole thing about no more fucks to give. She was like, I don't have any more. She's like, do you have a fuck? Do I have a fuck? Do I? She said, we're do done. I have a fuck? See, I'm hanging my head in shame because I haven't watched it yet. But it's not because I don't want to. It's because I was just trying to let all the finales happen mm-hmm. yeah. and then get into that summer season. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, but I can't wait. Dear white people. What else should we be watching? You guys should Corey? watch it. I'm going to go back to Master of None. Mm. Master of None was really good. I mean, I'll let me say very explicitly Two episodes of Master of None were really good. I really love the P.S. I love New York because they have this wonderful segment um, with a deaf, a black girl who's a deaf, um, a deaf actress. And mm-hmm. we actually profiled her on Essence.com. She has an amazing little uh, scene with her husband. It's really, really cute. She's she's basically signing that he's not eating. Uh, there's no oral sex in their marriage. <laughs> I like to cuss, but there's certain words I can't. We won't go there. Uh, shout Everyone's out, Mama. Hey, Mama. About Master Nun. I gotta get into it. <laughs> but the Thanksgiving episode with Lena Waits, where it's basically her story of coming out mm. of, to her real family, and Kim Whitley's in it. It is hilarious. Okay. All I'm gonna say is nipples and toes twenty three. Just remember that nipples and toes twenty three. Okay. What? So next week when we come back, we'll talk about nipples and, th- and toes twenty three. Twenty three. Okay. Yes. All right. So Lena. Lena. Lena's up next. Let's do it. It is my pleasure to introduce someone who I actually started stalking on Instagram. I'm going to be very clear about that. She had an interesting ha- uh, name, Hillmangrad. And I thought, that's funny. Follow. And then I went into the world of Lena Waithe. Wow. Welcome, and Lena. 
Thank you, Corey. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the stalking, you know, because some people have told me that they, they that's how they've kind of gotten into it. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. I try to be as entertaining as possible on Instagram. But now, you know, I flipped it. Now I'm leaning away on Instagram. Oh, now you're brand it. new. You have to brand it. You have to brand it. They always come to time. You got the blue check mark? Uh, I have it on Twitter. I don't have it on IG yet, but trust me, next year they're going to give it to me. Okay, They're cool. going to give it to no. me. Make, there's some stuff coming. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's like Instagram is definitely a place where people find you and they can kind of get a sense of like what's going on in the world. So it's good. I love Instagram. I love IG. So hopefully for those out there who will now start following you, um, but Lena is a world-renowned. You see my voice, how I did I know. Damn. Uh-huh. That's big. Producer, well, excuse me, writer, mm-hmm. turn producer, mm-hmm. turn actress, right. mm-hmm. now Instagram star. <laughs> all, the way, all the process, all the process. I like the order of what you said that too, because sometimes people start with actress, because that's what, how they, mm-hmm. you know, when people kind of are introduced to you through a certain thing. But people that know me, know me for a long time, they know like writing has always been... At the forefront. That's yeah. where it all started. So yeah, I saw a clip you said, um, you're going to die a TV writer. Always, yeah. yeah nice. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Like, that's where it all began. Like, watching the Cosby show, A Different World, uh, Martin Livingston, always consider those the four pillars that really kind of were like, oh, okay. Like, I, these characters are so interesting and so unique and so special. And these worlds are so palpable. I want to do something like that. Um, and so, yeah. And so, that's what that was the hustle. That was the first mm-hmm. hustle. Um, and then the acting thing kind of, it's so funny because Mara, Ma- Mara Brockakil, I'm going to do the first name joint. I'll say all her three government names. But because uh, I started, I was an assistant at Girlfriends, but she later said, um, oh, was this a part of the plan? Are you trying to do that? And I was like, I wish I could take credit for it. It really wasn't. That was God, all God. I can't take credit for the acting thing at all. It so how did happened. you connect with Aziz Ansari, who you are a star on Masters of None? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was interesting. I, through a lot of different things, I kind of came into the life of Allison Jones, who's an amazing casting director. She uh, cast Bridesmaids, Freaks and Geeks, um, like Freshman Spell Air, Veep, like just a lot of like dope stuff. So she heard about this pilot presentation I'd done called Twenties. Uh, and, and for some reason, Instead of like wanting to meet the actresses in it who are awesome, she was like, I want to meet the girl who's the person that wrote this, like who's behind it. So I got a call from my, my then manager at the time. He was like, yo, Allison Jones wants to meet you. I didn't even know who she was. I was like, well, who's that? He's like, oh, she's a casting director. And I was like, well, why am I meeting with a casting director? At the time, I was actually producing uh, Dear White People. So I wasn't in L.A. Um, he was like, well, when you get back, I think you should sit, sit, should sit down with her. So I came back to L.A. It was one of the first things I did. And, uh, and um and I sat with her, and she's got all these posters, all these, like, classic things in there. I was like, what? And we just vibed. You know, we talked about TV. We talked about movies. She obviously has really great taste and, you know, like, cinema and television. And she just said, she's like, hey, are you interested in being in front of the camera? And I was like, well, not particularly. But she was like, if you wouldn't mind, let me bring you in for some stuff here and there. So she did. And she brought me in for what ultimately became Trainwreck. Initially, she brought me in for Veep. Um, she brought me in for the second season of The Comeback, which I booked. And then, which was amazing, because I love that show. Um, and then uh, there came a time like Aziz she was casting his show but they kind of went through a not so typical way of casting he just said do you know any interesting people like who's interesting 
and just send them to me and I want to meet them. So by the grace of God, like I popped in her head and she said, you should meet with this girl, Lena Waithe. So the first meeting was me going to his house to just talk to him. I didn't have a script. I didn't, I didn't even know he had had a show on Netflix. So I went to his house and sat with him and Alan Yang, who's co-creator of the show. And I sort of talked about my life, you know, so I sort of was like Instagram in person. I was sort of like, uh, so I'm in love right now. This is my, my girl. I told him about how I met my girlfriend, which is an interesting story because she had only dated men up until me. And then we've sort of been going strong for like two and a half years. And so people are always fascinated by that. They're like, how'd that go down? And I'm like, I can't take credit. She was the one that came with me. I was like, which thank God, because she changed my life. But so we just were talking about that stuff. And you could tell they were sort of like intrigued, like, okay, who was this person? And then I came in to read uh, with disease. But because I'm a writer, I saw the size and I said, would they mind if I punched this up or added something to it? And they go, oh, I don't think so. So when I came in, I was sort of throwing jokes at him that he wasn't even expecting. And we just kind of were having a good time. And before I knew it, I got a call from him and Alan that says, would you mind coming to New York for a couple months and playing my best friend? And I was like, I would not. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. And that's just sort of really how it began. It was a thing that I really was just sort of open to. And it just sort of changed my whole life. Okay. Nice. So before we even, we kind of jumped mm-hmm. to, to the master's um Master. Everybody calls it Masters of Night. It's all, it's all cool. Aziz, he, he doesn't care. He's like, as long as you're watching, it's all good. <laughs> so I want to just pull up Lena's receipts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just do a it. quick minute. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago, bred, yeah. went to school, moved to L.A. Um, to pursue... Was it particularly TV writing? Television or writing. Television only. writing. Yeah. You were an EP on Girlfriends, working with Mara Brock-Akil. I was not an EP. I was an assistant oh, to assistant. the showrunner at the time. If I was an EP, I'd really be balling. Oh. Um, no, executive producer is like, you know, that's like a big, that's a big title. I was an assistant to the, it's interesting because when I say I was assistant to the showrunner, people always assume I was Mara's assistant. Not the case. She had oh. the game happening at the same time. So oh. she had two shows happening at the same time. They were literally like right next door to each other. It was an amazing situation. It was like, I didn't go to HBO. BCU, but that was my historically black college university experience because <laughs> it was like all these like cool fly black people walking around like Tracy Ellis Ross is like getting out the fucking you know the, can I curse is that cool okay getting out the damn you know the, the Range Rover and shit so I was like oh snap so but she had um, sort of like three people sort of running girlfriends at the time Regina Hicks um, who's amazing is awesome and then a writing team Mark Brown and Dee LaDuke nice. so um, so they were running the show so I was their assistant uh, and, and uh, but obviously I, I met Mara and she was always very impressed by like, nice. you know how much I was like willing to do anything I was like walking Tracy's dog I was like running to get people along. I was like doing whatever somebody needed me to do even though I was their assistant they were super chill so like and I, I got to know Tia and like I mean we were all like one big family so that's why it's also very interesting like where we are now nice. and when we run into each other because it really was sort of like this cool training ground it's a really cool place to be um, but yeah but I was an assistant assistant I'm sorry about that so no, tell me about because at that time Girlfriends was like the show yes. especially it was as a actually, young black inter- woman interestingly enough I came on the last season uh, which they okay. didn't even which was sort of unceremoniously became oh, their last season that. because the writer yeah. strike so um, it was like a movie it was like I was there it was like you know how you see a movie everything is going great for the character and then like the world explodes like yeah. that's what happened like um, like literally Literally, I was like just I had the best job on the planet like I, they weren't like running me like crazy I got to be on stage I got to be there for rehearsals I mean being a person who I wrote a spec script of girlfriends when I was in, in Chicago in college for school so to be on set and to be around these people was a dream and then the writer's strike happened um, and then it just kind of all went away and then I was sort of like you know working at E I was like doing like logging ta- I was like sort of back to the stuff I was doing before mm-hmm. but again talk about some receipts like that's that, that happens sometimes yeah. things kind of like go away and then you got to kind of 
sort of keep keep pushing and, yeah. and go back to like sort of rebuilding. Um, but and then so after yeah, that, what what's next? What happened after? Then after that, so then I started working at E as like a PA, like on red carpets and stuff, which is actually really cool and fun. Which is also another full circle weird moment as master now being on Master None, coming on being on red carpets and walking by the, the E booth is hilarious. <laughs> stuff like hey, hey y'all. What's up? <laughs> I remember you, you stood there like what the hell. <laughs> Lena, damn, you know, you, you made it. Uh, no, but um, so I I was like I was working all these jobs, and I got a call from Mara's assistant at the mm-hmm. time, actually, um, and she called and she said, "Hey, Mara's best friend needs an assistant," um, and I go, "Okay," and uh, and she's like, "She she's making this movie, and she you know she's in post," and, she, and so I was like, "Well, who's her best friend?" She goes, "Gina Prince Bythewood." So I'm like. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> and so yes please and so and, and it was just a beautiful thing and, and I said well how did well thank you uh, yeah okay and she's like you gotta be at her house tomorrow be on time and go meet with her and da, 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 da. And I said okay okay great uh, can you thank Mara because I wasn't Mara's assistant but but her assistant at the time Claire uh, said she's like well look Mara always peeped you like ripping and running and being so happy to be there she just really when Gina called her you were the only person she mentioned that she's like you should get this girl so I'm always grateful to Mara for like sending Gina my name and then I went to Gina's house um, which was an amazing thing I mean like watching Love and Basketball and this and all that kind of stuff and she's also married to Reggie Bythewood who's not too bad himself so you walk into this amazing home and you see like posters for like Love and Basketball Dancing in September Biker Boys like just disappearing acts and stuff going like, and they also both were in a different world nice. um, so I was just sort of like what the hell so anyway so I'm in there I sit down with Gina for a little bit, and Gina's so funny. She goes, look, Mara's like my sister. So she's like, if she recommended you, then you're going to get the job. I'm just making sure you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fair enough. And so we talked, and then and then we just hit the ground running, and I started working for her. And that was like, you know, it was sort of my—I say devil's wear, wear, devil wears Prada moment, although she's definitely no, like, Meryl Streep character at all. But it was definitely one of those gigs where, you know, Gina's super busy. She's got a lot going on, and she demands 120% all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just was like— just it was it was on and I, I was her assistant for like almost about two years um, obviously once the movie was done I sort of I continued you know working for her and Reggie and I was helping uh, as a writer's assistant on Notorious as well which yes. Reggie helped uh, co-write so and they would just sort of like pull me in and, and then they, they read my material they gave me the blessing they're like okay cool you can write thank God because I would be really embarrassing if it didn't turn out well um, but they they were just like really fantastic and I still like spend like Thanksgivings with them and hang out and it's so cool to have them a part of the family like Reggie just texted me today just say like what's up just sending you love and light so I, I love them and the Bythewoods and everything they represent and, and they really have become like my sort of showbiz parents nice. which is like you can't ask for better parents than them they're, they're fantastic so yeah my big thing I wanted to know what did you learn from working with her because she's someone who like <sighs> think about beyond the lights like she got told no how many times so many times yeah, I mean, she. Here's the thing. The thing I learned from her was one to always maintain your composure, because uh, the thing she's never rattled. Like I never saw her rattled. I never saw her raise her voice. She's always super polite, even to people who aren't always being polite to her. Uh, which is the thing I definitely learned um, that I think Black women have. I saw that with Mara a lot as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so. That was the biggest thing. And also, too, Gina gave me some very simple advice, but I ended up learning over the years how important it was. At one point, I think I was trying to get her to do, because as an assistant, like, you know, she gets these requests about, oh, come do this panel or whatever. And Gina's really shy. So I was like, I was begging her. I was like, Gina, can you please come do this, like, 
panel and just speak. On, it's not going to take forever. Like, it'll be, like, not a lot of your time. Like, these people are really trying to get you to go. And it would always be a begging situation whenever it was, like, a public speaking thing. And so she was like, well, what am I going to say? Like, what do they, what am I going to offer? I was like, you can have advice for, like, uh, you know, young writers of color trying to come up. Like, like literally, I'll always do the tap dance. And she would go, what advice am I going to give? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, what's your <laughs> advice? What's your advice for a young black writer trying to, like, make it? And she goes, I, I, it's, it's, it's simple. It takes no She's like, I was like, well, what is it? You tell me right now. And she goes, be great. That's it. Like, just be great. And I was like, Gina, that's not it. But I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I was like, no. And so she was like, no, seriously, like, be great. And so, and she would always say that to me over the course of like me, like even when I was not working for her and I was a writer's assistant, I was doing this, she would always repeat it, like, be great. You know, always be great, be great. And that's the thing that always stayed with me. And it's the thing that I've realized in my life and in my career that when I'm great, people can't deny me. They can't say no. They can't argue with it. And even though you still go through your stuff, but greatness can't be denied or ignored. Mm. Well, speaking of greatness, Dear White People is great. Oh, thank you. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's going to so be a series soon, too. I was, are, so year. are you associated with the series? Here's the thing. I'm sort of like a ghost producer. Like, Justin will hit me up and send me scripts. I've sat in on some table reads, you know, which are amazing. He, I felt bad. He wanted me to be in the show uh, the first season, but because of my schedule, it just sort of didn't work out. But hopefully there's a season two, and I'll definitely be in that. Like, I've already promised him. I'm like, it's going to happen. Um, and also, hopefully, can, you know, contribute writing as well. But, you know, I just sort of, like, pitch jokes and throw things, and he, he bounces ideas off of me. But, um... But no, but I feel like I'm all y'all. Once you're a part of the dear white people family, it's 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 a win for all of us. So I, I I'm so elated, and the stuff that they're doing. I mean, Atlanta is dope. Make no mistake, Insecure is killing, Queen Sugar is slaying. Um, but when dear white people comes next year, like it, like Justin just has there's no fucks to give. There's none. He's just not that person. You know, he's he's got the hint of, of Spike Lee with the dash of Spike Jones and some Stanley Kubrick. Like, he's so, like, just blunt and super smart. And, you know, he, 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 you know, he, he holds no punches. Like, he's coming for everybody. How did you get on that project? Well, I met Justin in a writer's group in, in, in L.A. way back, maybe, like, almost eight years ago probably um, and in the writers group we were actually it was a television writing, writing group and I got into it through another person who was working on the game and they were like yo we should do a writers group so and that's how I met Justin and at the time he was sort of doing a T because it had been a long like dress, movie script of, which used to be called 2% because mm-hmm. it was all about this fictitious Ivy League white school where black people only made up 2% of the population so um, but, the, but Sam's radio show was always she always started it with dear white people so at the time he was trying to make it a TV show which is so crazy of me sitting here thinking about it right now he, because it was a TV group he's okay I'm trying to make this a pilot and and I just remember hearing the voices and I was like this is like amazing I was like well, so you because you get these sort of four like prototypes in terms of Sam this biracial girl who's like super militant and trying to like figure out her identity you got Troy who's sort of like a Will Smith type dude who's so concerned with being liked he doesn't know who he is and you got Lionel who was very much like Justin it's sort of like this queer uh, black male who doesn't fit the, the typical image of what a black male is supposed to be and last but not least you have Coco who is a brown skinned girl who wants to assimilate she wants to fit in more than anything particularly you know with white people so I was like just just hearing those descriptions of those characters is like that speaks so much of like who Justin is and how he's so like tapped into to society and black culture so I was like and, and those characters were all there like in their writers room like eight years ago and I was like I, literally after the first meeting I was like we're gonna be best friends like that's <laughs> happening uh, deal with it 
And so, and he was like, okay. And so we just started like hanging out. And um, and he and uh, and we would do table reads in the group. And so I would always read Coco, and that kind of really made him go, like, okay, who was this person? Who are you? Uh, and we just really vibed. And then um, fast forward a few years down the road, we were we found ourselves on the Paramount lot together. Um, I was a writer's assistant on the game when it went to BET, um, and he was doing uh, PR over at uh, Paramount, um, which is a super smart thing that Justin did because he finished film school and immediately went into PR because he said, I not only want to know how to make a film, I know I want to know how to sell one. So so he's super smart. Um, hence Ava DuVernay okay. being able to, to slay as well. So we were on the same lot. We would have lunch together every single day. And I asked him, I said, whatever happened to 2%? Like, what's going on with it? And he was like, nothing. It was like sitting on, on my, you know, my shelf. And I said, for some reason, I said, well, if you go in and do a rewrite and like figure it out, I'll produce it. Didn't, I never produced anything. Didn't even know what that meant. But he just goes, okay, cool. And then he just started, like, every weekend just started going into it. And then, because he had already had two producers attached, Angel Lopez and Ann Lee. Um, and I kind of was, like, became the flavor flavor of, of the group. It was like, let's let's rally. <laughs> let's get it going. And then, and we finally, and we did, we did, because we, we, we workshop our material. We do table reads for everything. So we tabled the script. It was electric. I mean, the first table, I mean, because we're, like, in the, we're, like, in the valley. We got all these people. It's, like, and, and the actor, Brandon Bell, has been Troy from, from that day one. Like, so, that's why it's so amazing to see him. Like on the screen, and now in the TV show, it's it's fantastic. So, but we, um, yeah, we, and then Justin after that table read, which was so amazing because I mean, you can only imagine the conversations that we're having, we were having afterward, and, and we were talking about. And Justin goes, "We're going to do, a sh- we're going to shoot a concept trailer," and we were like what's that and, he, and so he said, he's like well it's a marketing tool he's like usually in the film world when people go pitch stuff they pull scenes from already existing features he's like we, I don't want to do that he's like there's nothing out there like this so he's like I want to shoot certain little scenes and clips from the from the script and make it as if the movie's already been made so we were like uh, okay so we all took our little tax returns instead of buying new couches we poured it into the Dear White People concept trailer because um, then over the course of this the movie eventually became it became Dear White People and, uh, and then we put it out you know through Shadow and Act and 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 it went viral like in a few days we started raising all this money and the next thing I knew like like he was on CNN like wow. it was crazy I remember being in the green room like <laughs> what the hell you know and they were trying to hit that angle like so it was the like, young kids versus Tyler Perry <laughs> like no 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 that's not that's not the the message um, but you know but Justin's so savvy he knew how to kind of curb it and do the whole thing and had PR training yeah exactly but um and so yeah and then and it was it was obviously a long journey because a lot of studios were meeting with us and they were trying to they were trying to make it palpable they were trying to figure out okay we like this you guys are cool this is interesting this is hip okay now here are our notes or here are our thoughts um, and no one just seemed to really get it and then finally Julie Lebedev was like so she's like look I'll give you the money you know, I'll give you the money to finance it, but I'm not a distributor. So she's like, you got to really bet on yourself and hope you get into a film festival. And I remember sitting with Justin on his, like, stoop in L.A., and uh, and I was like, look, what you going to do? And he was like, I'm going to bet on myself, I think. And so sure enough, he did, and then we got into Sundance. And wow. then, wow. you know, your, your your world is never the same after that. Wow. And then we, we were lucky enough to win a prize there, and then he obviously won the Independent Spirit Award, which was, uh, uh, I mean, mind-blowing. It was mind blowing because Oprah was like sitting right across. I remember because it was like Selma and we were like kind of following each other around and like and Oprah said to us, she's like, I saw the movie on a plane to Africa. We said, well, as, and well how damn. fitting, how fitting. <laughs> it was amazing. It was crazy. And then um, so, so she literally said that. To, she talked to us right before our, his category was uh, was up. So she came up and said that to us. We had like a nice little moment and then he won. And so we were just like, it's Oprah did it. Oprah touched us. Oprah she touched us. She touched us. I love it. So it's been, it has been an amazing ride. And then to, to see it come to fruition as a Netflix series. And I just I mean, I'm so excited. Wow. I want to know, like, the mind of a uh, TV and movie writer. 
So are characters, do they come to you? Like, what's the process that happens? How does it, how does it work for you? You know, I think it depends, you know, on the story. Um, like, for me, when, with 20s, I was sort of, something usually sparks something, you know. And with 20s, was really sparked truly after I was invited to an early screening of Girls. You know, um, in L.A., they screened it, like, for three episodes for, like, for some for like a small group of people at the Guild. And, uh, and, uh, and I was just sort of like, oh. Well, that's refreshing. That's interesting to see women that way, to see young women that way, to see a young artist uh, to put her voice out there that way. And I thought, why can't I tell my story as, an, as, as honest as that and, and, and raw and real and unique and weird and offbeat? And, um, and so that's what I did. I started went into my, my diary of stuff and was like, you know, being a queer black girl in Los Angeles with two like women next to me who are like very straight best friends and and what that looks like um and and yeah and I just sort of told my story very honestly you know and uh and yeah and it got me a lot of attention and then Justin because Justin directed the pilot presentation that kind of yes. went out there that, that kind of moved around and, and it was interesting because uh Jezebel picked it up um Refinery29 uh, interview it was interesting the white girls kind of took to 20s faster than some of the other publications. Mm-hmm. Essence has always been super supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, they, they just kind of were like, well, who is this? And then, obviously, my name, us sharing the same name and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, being called the Black Lena Dunham, people were like, oh, are you offended by that? I was like, no, I'll take it. You know, it's like because I was starting to, that was the name I was making for myself, literally and figuratively. Um, but and it was interesting because some people were saying, oh, well, why not make it a web series? And and I said, I could. I said, but what what that says about society is that why does Lena Dunham them get to have a show on HBO, but Lena Waithe has to be on a web series. Yeah. That's sort of telling yeah, me that true. I should sit in the back of the bus. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then with things like Insecure happen, it's super exciting because I remember talking to Issa when she was on that long journey trying to get her show on. So it's really about um, that sort of, it sort of just sparked mm-hmm. something in me that I was like, oh, I want to tell my story. And that's how it happened. And um, and the characters, you know, you know, I named the character Hattie. I know I went to, because after Hattie McDaniels, I was named mm-hmm. after Lena Horne. And so those sort of, so I always started to come up with names and sort of the vibe. And Hattie is very much the semi, you know, autobiographical version of me, mm-hmm. uh, which you see like in Master of None or Atlanta, things like that, and Insecure. You know, th- that's usually kind of the first thing you always want to write. But in the characters beside me are loosely based on girls in my actual life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the Chicago drama that I wrote, those characters sort of came to me after seeing so many news stories of like, oh, black boys and guns violence things like that and I was like well I want to humanize these characters and I grew up with young black boys like that yeah. in Chicago so I kind of pulled like again it starts with names like there's this uh, this kid who, whose nickname was Coogie like you know in the hood like that's all we know I don't even know his real name so and I said <laughs> I'm going to pull that you know and like start with that and say okay he's light skinned with curly hair and a fade and he wears he wears J's and like skinny jeans and you know da 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 and so like and that's where so for me like character descriptions are always super important because I sort of describe them on the page and then their voices come mm-hmm. um and, uh, and yeah, and sometimes it's like just listening to music and like kind of just sitting quietly and think the writing process is super weird because yeah. it's a lot of just like ruminating and thinking and watching movies and, and, and people watching. Um, that's the only tough thing I think about the sort of quote unquote fame that sort of comes with being on a TV show because I sometimes it's tough that when I walk into a room, the energy shifts and mm-hmm. then I can't sort of blend in, particularly in New York. In New York, mm-hmm. like y'all are like if you if you're in a TV show that takes place in New York, like they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we own you now. Uh, but it's like if I. If I, I do still like to go into a coffee shop and try to sit and like sort of like watch 
people watch. That's that's a part of the process. So I still try my best to, to do that. Um, and uh, I still can a little bit here and there, but I try to... And people are they, the people are really kind and respectful. It's all good. But for me, that's a huge part of my process. It's sort of like watching human behavior and um, and just sort of like just paying attention to things like that. Um, and this feature that I want to write next year sort of was came out of an idea from a novelist who came up to me at a party and was like, hey, I have this movie idea. I, I, I shouldn't be... He's like, I can't write it, but here's the opening. And I was like, that's dope. And I was like, yeah. And so, and so again, again, it's about like actors. Sometimes you see a picture of an actor or you're going to go, okay, how would they play it? Or that would be interesting. Yeah. And because and, and, I know Gina does this too. She has, she'll put the, she'll put, actors like headshots up and like and have them on the wall as she sort of as she's writing because that helps her to see them and hear them it's really you need these characters to talk to you yeah i'm so glad that you that novelist came up to you and you weren't like oh here we go yeah well no he's a novel i can't i'm not gonna say who it is yeah (laughs) but but he's a novice i respect and it's really dope and um yeah he's a white guy but he's like cool but he was like He's like, and he pitched me the, and we were like at, and I, it was so bold. We were at his party, and like he's like, here's the opening, um, and I was like, yeah, that's a movie, and and I've been wanting to write a feature yeah. um, again, and so I was like, okay, and and I've just sort of been like beating it out a little bit while I've been here, and and sort of letting the process sort of take its course. I'm nice. curious how you separate what projects you're gonna write, which ones you're gonna produce, mm-hmm. and even well, now you have the caveat of like deciding. Which ones I want to star in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what yeah. is your? You know, it's interesting. I think for me, like I love producing. You know, I actually produced um, my second film this year, which we're in post right now, um, and that came because I also do this thing called the Table Read series, which I do in LA, where I'm a big believer in workshopping material, which is actually sort of a, so. Whenever I have actors come in, they go, "This is so New York. This is so New York," because that, that's what that's what they do in theater. You know, you table it, you you workshop it, you bring in producers, you get feedback, and if for some reason in LA, people are sort of like in these caves. They write things and send them out, and I go, "How can you?" Like, like send something out without having actors like say it out loud and having some of the writers you trust come in and give you feedback. That's actually what I it. loved about your IG post. You would post a lot of oh, your write your yeah. your, um, your readings. Yeah, you know, because it's a way for us to one to have fellowship for us to come together, and it's a way for actors who probably you know uh, aren't getting a chance to go out and audition or getting like cast and these things. They get a chance to come and play. And for writers, it's it's a great it's great practice for us. It helps us giving notes and feedback and say, hey, your third act kind of drags a bit. You know, you, you this actor you know repeats this beat more than once in the second act. You know, it's like it's super helpful. Um, but uh, so yeah, so with the producing, a lot of times like this script that I produced this year came out of the table read series a writer a uh, friend of mine chuck hayward who's also who's writing on dear white people um uh right now he he uh had this script that uh that he sort of couldn't figure out he was, sh- he was shopping it around and i read it and i was like something's not quite right but it was a really cool idea it was about this black girl who was in graduate school who was forced to teach a group of white sorority girls how to step in order to get something she wants. Oh um, and so, and I was like, that premise is so interesting, you know, and then Justin, because Justin came to, Justin came to a bunch of the table reads, Justin Simeon, who did your white people, he um, he was like, it's Sister Act. He was like, it's Sister Act. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, it was, and it was so illuminating. And and then, and, and we all were like, yeah, that's what it is. And um, meet Stomp the Yard, though, you know, um, and it's sort of about the stereotypes that black women have about white girls mm-hmm. and this black girl being submerged in this, like, this th- their sorority house and kind of getting to know them individually and mm-hmm. realizing, like, oh, I'm doing the thing that maybe I sometimes get mad at y'all for doing to me. And so it's such a great journey. And once we kind of cracked it and figured it out, it, it just got to a really good place. Um, and uh, and now it's called Stepsisters. And, it's, and we, you know, we did with 
broad grain nice. and uh, and hopefully it'll be coming out next year. So th- I figured out I wanted to, and mind you, the writer approached me and he said, I'd love for you to produce it. And I was like, oh my, I'm going to do another movie about college and like race. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be that person. But I just realized like uh, I'd done like about, because we tabled things multiple times. We had tabled about three or four times. And I realized, I'm like, he's like, you already like produced it at this point. Um, so myself and Benjamin Corey Jones, we, we came on to produce it. So oftentimes if a story sort of, if I'm, I'm really like involved and like passionate about giving notes and this and that, that's usually when I know I want to help like really produce it and get it out there and protect it. Um, that's really what a producer does too. You're protecting the the art. You're protecting the the material. Um, so that's really how that how that came about. And then with the acting stuff, because you know it happened organically with Master of None. A lot of times people see that show and opportunities are sort of brought to me that are very similar to the character that just sort of happens I think to a lot of people because I was literally like why am I being offered part that these that's Denise like in, in a movie you know with this like per- famous person I'm not going to say who it is but um but look I'm really flattered by it but <clears throat> because Master None is so special um and, and, and it has a special place in my heart and it, the material is so strong it makes me and also too I mean my credits are like the comeback you know which is this really cool show and then Master of None and mm. you know and let me say the Emmy winning Oh, master! Come on, man! I know, right? <laughs> it's so yes. dope! It's so dope! Receipt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real receipt right there. Uh, but also, and I filmed a movie this year, which I cannot say what it is. It's top top secret. I know. I wish I could. Is it I Star wish Wars? I... It's like, no, <laughs> no, that I can say. It's not. Oh my that. god! If you're in Black Panther, no, uh, I'm no, dying. No, Sorry, I'm no, looking don't, at her face. No, 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 oh. don't. I promise, I'm not. I wish you never know. Don't no. But it's a, it's a, it's a big movie. Uh, and it's a cool movie and hence me not being able to talk about it but when that opportunity came about um, I thought like oh well this is really like special and really cool and something that I wouldn't ordinarily think would come to me um, but it's such an amazing thing and um, and I can't wait to talk to y'all you know when the news is out because uh, it's about really about to comb your IMDb 20, ah! 2017 or 2018 2018 will come out nice uh, so uh, but I'm really excited and um so so again but so but that was like so special that I was like yeah I'll go away for a couple months and film that um, and then because of that like I, I just I just have to be very specific about the things I do go away ah I know I'm technically away now though I'm away now filming something uh, and season two of Master of None is like about to like I'll give I'll give you also I'll give you a little juice about season two of Master of None which is like okay. which nice. I think like is y'all are you gonna love. get back with the red bone ha red I bone. wonder because Aziz is being super secret about this season but I'm gonna go ahead I think I don't think he'd be he'd mind if I say no but you're gonna see me in romantic situations uh and one of which with the right yeah 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 but one of which is with someone you guys know, which I wish I could say who. who oh, we can't is. wait. Oh, but, um, but she's great. She's so funny and awesome. And you, it's just going to come out of left field. But I can say, I'll, I'll give you all this juice now because um, she mentioned it on the red carpet. I don't think she was supposed to, but I don't think she cared. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- but there's someone, a wonderful actress that, that joins us to play my mother. Um, and it is, is the one Google? and the only uh, Angela Bassett. <gasps> oh, so amazing. Oh my god. I'll show you my, my, my screensaver right now. Amazing. Hold on. She looks hold 27. On. She's like, hold up. I had to freaking do it. Wait, what's hold she? On. I mean, I've seen her in person. She does but like, look. look is this her is, skin? This is us, like, like, oh, wow. around on set. Oh my god. Like, obsessed. Like, she. Do you like, even call her Angela? I'd be like, Miss. Miss I call Miss actually. Miss I call. Person? I call her Miss Angela, okay. which my girlfriend hates. I keep telling. She's like, if you say Miss Angela one more time, but oh I, but God. I just sort of got to. I, but we also, which I love, we we sort of took to calling each other mother and daughter. Um, I was like, hi mother. She's like, hi daughter. On set, uh, 
And now when we, which is great, she'll text me here and there, which I, I'm always like blown away. I'm like, is the answer message just text me? Um, but she'll be like, hey, daughter, like, what do you think of Moonlight? She's like so amazing. Um, but she came in and just, and it's so funny because, and by the way, I also give this this juice too. Melina, the one and only Melina, who I only give her one name, even though people oh, know yeah. her as like mm-hmm. Beyonce's Melina, mm-hmm. but she's like going to be the world's Melina very yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, but Melina came on to direct the episode. She directed two episodes of Master nice. of Mine. She directed oh, this sort nice. of like, this episode that sort of centered on my character, um, which I helped write. Uh, okay. So it's like, it was some black girl magic, man. And uh, I was just telling like season two is going to be very, it's just, it's so exciting. And we can't say anything, but I'm happy that that little bit of news so he tweeted that it's not coming back till April. True. True. April. So, April. Yeah. But it's not too far away. Like we're almost done it really with this year. We're That's almost true. done. But we got a lot of good TV to keep us. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. True. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I've been given a warning that we got to wrap up soon. But oh, what man. I want to know, because Go I've in. read how you are a lover of rom-coms. And so am I. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I need to know your top five. Dang, top five rom-coms? I mean, if you want to go okay. 10, we can go 10. But. 10 is a lot. lot. Um, Seven. Okay. Um, uh, okay, one of them, I, I, I'm, I, I'm too, my brain is too mushy to do in order, but I'll say Boomerang is actually like a, a, such a wonderful... Side note about Boomerang, a little history. What's up? They filmed it here. Shut up! See, all right, see out that window with the glass? Yeah. That's where Strangey came in. No, so you have to, yeah. Oh, this is real. Yeah, that's real. That's brilliant. And Robin Gibbons came yep. by a couple of months ago, and on, she Robin. was like, "Oh my god, I totally remember." Yeah, yeah. Robin's anyway. so dope. Yeah. Um. Okay. So mm-hmm. Boomerang, I got to get in there. Um, because I love this movie so much, and some people may not consider it a rom com, but it really is like a love story. House Party. It's kind of a rom com oh, wow. with him and, and Gina. Uh, I call her Gina. Tisha Campbell. Mm-hmm. What Tisha? I call her, I call her Gina. I call her Gina. Uh, my bad. Come on, Tisha. Um, uh, I'm, and I'm gonna throw in a, a, a Lily White one because I'm from Chicago, but I don't give a hell. Uh, my best friend's wedding is one of my all time. Oh, that was yes, a good movie. That was, favorite yeah. movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a movie. wonderful, wonderful. And I liked script. it. It didn't end with them falling in love. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Cameron Diaz. Car- I, I could literally, t- I could literally teach like I could write a thesis on this movie about yeah. like how to write women characters because. Yeah the Cameron Diaz character could have been so like two dimensional and like you know and they didn't she was such a fully fleshed out character Um, it was awesome I may need to watch it again I thought you were going to say the breakup you know what I I like the breakup I don't know if I put it in my top five but I gotta say I'm a a big Vince Vaughn fan for obvious reasons and I think I love what he was doing with that he was like I'm going to try to do something that people really haven't seen. I think it was really special. I think I, I recently it was on TV recently. I kind of watched yeah. it. Like, oh, yeah, it's not bad. Um, and so then three. I know it's three. Bridesmaids. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. But here's the weird thing. I don't consider that a comedy in a way. Um, although Wait, what you talking about? I'm you're, right. you're right Love Actually, Jones. you're right Love Jones oh, you are yeah. so I don't consider right. it a comedy, comedy. Yeah. there's comedy. some funny moments make no mistake right. but to me that's it's just drama. that's just my top five movie like <laughs> yeah. of all time mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah what I was saying Bridesmaids is a yeah. really great rom-com and then and what I would say um I would go into She's Gotta Have It. That can be my favorite. I think nice. that's, to me, that's more of a comedy. Um, you know, and, and also that's going to be on Netflix next next year. And I'm really cool with Tanya, Tanya Lee, who's, who's amazing. Um, and so, so yeah, that one I would kind of round out with, with, with uh, it was She's Gotta Have It. I think that's like a really good rom-com. I'm trying to think there's some other one. But my, my best friend's wedding is really, really solid. Um, and I think Boomerang and like House Party. Those, it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying, my brain is sort of like, I'm like, what, what that's else? Working. 
Yeah. Uh, you know yeah. what movie I watch like whenever I see it and I cannot believe I do this? Notting Hill. Notting oh Hill my is God. solid. All the British ones? All the time. My when it comes on, I'm like, oh. Yeah, oh, I love Notting Hill. That's solid. You um, know what I just saw recently that's speaking of British in Netflix? It's called Man Up. I haven't seen that. Check. It's um, Lake Bell. Okay. Who does a pretty decent British accent. And I think it's Simon Pegg. Mm, I've never heard of it. No, he was, huh. this guy's one of the hobbits. This is a guy who's one of the hobbits. Man, anyway, I'll, I'll ju- it, you wouldn't think it's one of those, I hate when they tell me, like, since you watch Nighting Hill, you'll oh, like right, this. Right, I'm right, like, you right, don't right. know me. You don't know. Come on, forget this algorithm. <laughs> but it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. But it ended up being super cute. And the premise is, it's a blind date. The mm-hmm. Lake Bell is someone who she is notorious for not, like, living her life and not stepping out. Uh-huh. And this guy, Miss... Uh, re- not represent, but he, um, she basically, he confuses her with his blind date. Oh. And so in a split second, she goes, it's on Netflix. Netflix. Try to find it. She, she goes, all right, I'm gonna go along with this. Nice. And it just takes these completely different turns. And I was like, this is super cute. What? Yeah. So, okay, huh. I'm, I'm gonna go search for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't believe we've uh, mm-hmm. run out of time. We, we have so much more to ask. Yeah. Stuff. Oh my goodness. Gotta have oh me back. Goodness. I'm gonna come back when the movie news comes out. Yes. All right. Yeah. I'm still yeah. going. Whatever other news. I'm about to search. So then I'm now you're going, you're gonna go back to LA in a week or so? Yeah, I'm trying to head back to LA next week. Just filming up one more episode. Master None. And then that's it for this season. For this season, nice. yeah. Like I came back. I I got. I was, I've been here like for a little bit, you know, uh, filming and uh, and uh, and doing psh, working with Angela, man. Like she's like no joke. And then uh, because I did some writing too, I kind of had to be on set a lot more. Nice. Um, but you know, we put it in. Yeah, yeah we man. did. We put the work in. I do want to ask you before you go. What's yeah. your um, secret sauce? And I, when I say that, I mean like, what's the thing that fuels Lena spiritually? Mm. Like, what's the thing that brings you ultimate joy outside of uh, TV and writing and being a producer like what's the thing in your is it your squad is it being in love is I mean it like- number one it's definitely my lady for sure you know Alana is always I always say this it's like she's always top priority you mm-hmm. know uh, the career and everything these blessings have been wonderful but uh, at the end of the day if it all went away and she was all I had left that'd be more than enough That's so wonderful. she really you know she just sort of keeps my you know that heart beating and, and me always excited and everything I do, I always want to impress her and make sure she's like feels good about it. Um, so that that that's that the love for sure. And the squad is like real. I mean, that's just family. You know what I mean? It's like for me in Los Angeles with you know with Justin, Simeon, and Issa and Melina, um, Ryan Coogler's in there. You know what I mean? Um, Barry Jenkins, who mm-hmm. I got a chance to connect with uh, while I was here. I went to the screening and um, got gave him a very genuine hug. You know, it's sort of like the new school is like really mm-hmm. on a come up. Donald is a friend as well. Um, yes. And uh, so it's just like to me, like these people like who are sort of in these same spaces we're in similar spaces so we can kind of like text and go did this happen to you or yeah that happened that exact say that yeah 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 you know so it's like um, it's very helpful to have those folks in, in your life that are sort of running at the same pace as you um, because you can kind of relate to each other um, you know and then you know my family I always do you know it always started with my mom my yeah. grandmother who, who's in heaven now my sister my nephew like they really are the foundation you know and I don't because they're in Chicago I don't get to see them a ton but at the end of the day they're the they're the, they're the they're the ones that really always kind of that really, when I feel like I can't go on, I always try to make sure I gotta 
you know, trying to make sure make I do them do right by them and mm-hmm. make sure they're proud. Um, and, you know, and and honestly, God, I'm a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. I go to, I try to get to church as much as I can. My, I come from a family of lazy Christians, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> you know, they try to get to church when they would come well, Easter or whatever. Easter. But uh, no, no, but my, yeah, but there was one year I think my mom was like, "We're gonna start going to church, or whatever." But I really, you know, and I, I go to one church in L.A. Mm-hmm. Tori Roberts is like, you know, a really great speaker. Devon Devon is also really dope. Um, I know a lot of people go, "Oh, making good husband, the exec," but he can he can preach too nice. so um so for me like the, I, I always still try to get the word to kind of keep me like guided and to keep me calm um you know and then my mentors you know ava gina uh you know for sure like those are people that i always try to like ask questions or seek counsel um but no but the lady alana is like she's the center i love it yeah. and i see you you quite love whitney houston oh yeah got whitney <laughs> got this really lovely tat I do. Love yeah, it took it. me a while to figure out what it was going to be. Um, you know, after she passed, but I was at somebody's house and I saw a vinyl and saw her. She, you know, back when they used to write thank yous uh, on the, uh, like her second album, and she would sign everything with love, Whitney. And there was something so special about that, like to do things with love. Uh-huh. You know, it was like I don't know something about it was just very like very much like her spirit. Yeah. And I was like, and it just sort of reminds me to do whenever you're doing something, do it with love. With love. Yeah. That's how we. That's how we end with love. It's a beautiful love. way to end something. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me, man. Thanks for hitting me. <laughs> she like Corey hit me. She like, yo, what are you doing? What's going on? Da, 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 da. Yo, it was I was nice like, I know you, you had a rep, but I was like, I'm going direct. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you got the bat line, you know, like, I please. I'll wait till they it. Like, I heard you reached out to. Like, oh, <laughs> I know she I know. called me. She called I know, me. No, please. I know, please. WME, they they be on it, but uh, but I, well, you can always hit me. You can always hit me on the hip. You know that. All right, you know cool. that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Up next, more Yes Girl to come. Oh, my God. I love talking with Lena. I've been following her for a minute because she was in the original inception of Dear White People. And I just love, love, love what she's doing. She has a new series actually coming out in the fall. Actually, next year, The Shy. And that's going to be amazing. And if you haven't watched it, Master of None, get into that series today. Okay, okay. I'm convinced. I will add it to my binge-watching list. (laughs) And ladies, speaking of binge-watching, if you're going to be binge-watching TV all summer long, you're going to do it from a bed, okay? And if you want to do it from a bed, you need your mattress to be comfortable. So try a Casper. Casper mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foam and all the other good stuff you love, and it's perfect for you to just lay back, Feel comfy, feel great, and binge watch all these shows that we can't stop talking about. Because <laughs> you know we do. And my favorite binge watching like you is in bed. I'm sorry. Me I try too. to be sophisticated and do it from a couch. I'm like, mm, I want to go no, to bed. No. Like, lay back. No. no a comfortable no, 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 no. mattress is the key. Exactly. And if you don't believe us, just try it. You get 100 nights risk-free in your home. And then, you know, give it, give it a whirl. Yay. So we have a special offer for you. Yes, girl listeners. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash yes. That's casper.com slash yes. And use yes as your code. Terms and conditions apply. Now, up next, we have my super wonderful, super lovey-dovey chat with Gabby and Andrew. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Charlie Penn here. I'm back once again to talk about love. Today, I have a very special couple in the house, Gabby and Andrew Wilkes. 
I just want to say that I love their love, first and foremost. They're young, they're married, and they're ministering here in New York City. Uh, they teach other young couples about positive relationships and faith-based relationships on a regular basis. And they're just a total inspiration. So, hey, guys. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks to have you here. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, let's just, can we just please just get right to it? I hear a lot of people say, Christian dating, mm -hmm. Christian relationships, <laughs> Christian coupling, courtship. Mm -hmm. What is that? Is there a, an actual definition for that today? So the way we do, do it is we say that there are Christians who are dating, right? Mm -hmm. And okay. so that may make a Christian relationship. Okay. But courting has a whole other connotation to it. Which is what? Which What's the difference between courting and dating? So some will say that courting is with intentionality, um, mm -hmm. where like you're with someone because you want them to be your spouse. Versus dating is kind of like, you know, a free-for-all. We talk about it that that's kind of a false dichotomy where really anybody that you're spending time with, you have to get to know. Okay. So courting gives a false illusion that it's permanent. And I just I don't think that that's real. I don't think that that's actually realistic. So courting is like what our grandfathers did to our grandma. Yeah, like it's they showed like, up with flowers. It's like, like, it's like arranged <laughs> marriages. Like we're just not about that life in 2017. So basically, I would say Christians can date with intentionality, but it doesn't have to mean that you feel like this person has to be my spouse because I went on two dates with you. See, and I like that because I think it takes some of the heaviness off. Because mm -hmm. when I'm thinking Christian, anything with relationships to dating, I'm like, oh, we have to get married. Right. right. Like, we're on a course <laughs> to get married. But you guys are college sweethearts from Hampton. That's so right. did you guys kind of, I mean, have you both always been deeply rooted in your faith since you met in college? Really? We, we have. Um we started dating our sophomore year at Hampton. Oh, can we uh, all just swoon for a second? We can swoon. Indeed, my heart is swooning right now as we have this conversation. Uh, and I'd say maybe about three years in, uh, I had a pretty strong sense that uh, if she would have me, that we would, we would make that move in three, terms of marriage. Three years in. Now, did you guys talk about your faith and your plan being like young and in love and in college? Was that like a, an, a conversation? Like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to stay grounded and work together? Are, were there rules? Like, talk to me. I mean, so Hampton has a seven to one ratio when we were there of male to females. And uh -oh. it's even more crazy now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so definitely. Good. Yeah, so definitely like dating on a HBCU campus is just a whole situation because a lot of folks are not, they're not situation. permanent. But then you do find a lot of love stories from college. So I think for us, um, initially it was just let's just date and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But we did have a friendship first. So that kind of kept us going a little bit longer. But it's funny that he said three years in because like some of the Christian men on campus, like they were in that mindset of mm -hmm. like, let me find my wife. Right. And I actually appreciated that about Andrew, that he wasn't one of those guys. So it was actually just dating in a, real, a regular relationship versus like pressure. What I will say as, as an addendum to what I said earlier is, uh -huh. um, before we started dating and before I approached Gabby, I was so nervous. Uh, <laughs> it's I, okay. I, I Most took, men are. You, you know Look how at it her, is. She's you know, uh, beads sweating <laughs> on their hands. Oh. <laughs> uh, I took a period to just kind of reflect on where I was trying to go in terms of career. Mm -hmm. I was uh, doing ministry at the time. And so uh, when I approached her, even though I wasn't sure immediately in terms of marriage, I had a, something of a sense of where it might go. And so I think that kind of period of introspection before you get into dating is, is always helpful, particularly for brothers. Absolutely. So what are you guys teaching young couples at your church? Tell, tell us where your church is in New York. We're at the Greater Island Cathedral, Jamaica, Queens, New York. All right. Please go, y'all. Check yes, it out. Check Get us some out. blessings, love, and inspiration. <laughs> um, what are you teaching young couples who come in and look up to you guys being, I mean, you've been married, what, over 10 years now, right? We've or been together over yeah, 10. We've been together 11 years. Mm -hmm. We've been married six.
gold. Okay? <laughs> I love it. So what are you teaching couples who walk in and say, Gabby, Andrew, like, we want to be like you guys. We want to find what you have. What are you teaching them about love and dating in this modern world where we've mm-hmm. got, you know, dating apps and hookups and people, you know, they're strong and held to their faith, but they also, like, you know, they want to do what they need to do to, to make love happen. Yeah, totally. What are you talking to them about? I mean, I know, if, like, one of the things that we always talk about is, of course, nobody wants to be, like, a thirst bucket. But right. also, <laughs> the other side of that is you need to at least show that you have some real interest and like everybody's always trying to like play it cool and not be the first person to get played and I don't think like we talk to our young adults like that's not really the best foundation for real relationship like at some point you have to be willing to be the one who's like thirsty but cool with it you know I think one of the things that's important is uh, talking about mature relationships it's kind of compassionate negotiation Mm. where you're clear about what you expect from me what I expect from you because you know folk in New York City always you want to uh, reach certain benchmarks in your right, career. Right. You want your money to be a certain way. You have a plan. You, you have, have a plan. plan. And then right? you're like, okay, love and marriage, this is where you fit Absolutely. into this. Mm-hmm. And so you, you tinker, but you want to tinker together so you're moving in the same direction. But so. how does faith play into that? Because, I mean, obviously I'm sure you're talking to them about both things and mm-hmm. it's like, sure. you know, I have single friends who are like, if he doesn't love the Lord, I can't love him. Right, right, you know? right. And right. then I have other friends that are like, well, I love the Lord and if he doesn't love the Lord but he loves me, we can still date because <laughs> the odds are against me in this city right. and I'm looking for a husband. So what, what kind of issues come up and what do people ask you about as far as trying to um, stay strong in their faith but also find love and do yeah. there, is there conflict there? Yeah, I mean, I find that there's more of a conflict with women looking for men who love God and love them. Really? Um, I don't know if you feel that differently about the men. I'm going to understand it for the fellas. <laughs> well, you know, see, th- th- <laughs> it's <this> your moment. <laughs> <laughs> fellas, where you at? Um, I think the prayer is what comes to uh, modify the compassionate negotiation piece because the other side of it, compassionate negotiation is that you argue, you cuss each other out, you mm-hmm. you have a more adverse kind of relationship. Okay, and so true. prayer helps folks to move through disagreements and that sort of thing, remembering the person you fell in love with and that kind of thing. And so we find that um, prayer helps folks to reach a kind of healthy consensus if that's the person they want to be with. Sometimes prayer... Like uh, help- praying together? That's the moment? Like you should find someone you can pray with? Or you're saying pray beforehand. I think oh, pray, pray, pray okay. together, but gotcha. also praying uh, individually. Because sometimes through prayer and reflection, you figure out that this person I spent some time with, they might not be the right person. Maybe I need to, Truth. you know, exit out, out the door. I think, yeah. Oh, I mean, ahead, no, no, I was yeah. going to say, I think like in terms of like finding a man that loves God or finding a man that loves you both or not or either or, I think when you, when you decide to date someone who's not about God and who just that's not a part of their equation but they're Mm -hmm. you know a good person Mm -hmm. I think I always tell women that you have to be careful because usually you're going to shift towards whatever like the male wants to do like you may not mean to do that but usually you're going to kind of sway towards what his rhythms are so men do too but men women but women tend to I think do it a little bit more because we want to support the man that we're with so or you end up being the woman who's always in the church who your man starts to hate the church because you're never at home and then here comes the disconnect and here comes the disconnect so for me i tell women that if you choose to be with someone where your faith does not align then you have to really be ready for the fact that that may cause continual conflict in your relationship in just regards to how much time you spend together when you have downtime where you spend that downtime when you have children or if you already have children you know what are those rhythms and sometimes those are risks that i think are not worth it but Mm -hmm. also if a woman chooses to be with a man who's not who doesn't you know, profess to be a Christian or to share their faith, then she just needs to be aware that that's going to be an uphill battle. So you guys feel like, you know, what's your faith? Is that like a first date question? 
Like, you know, what do you believe? Because a lot of people try to, you know, they want to avoid mm-hmm. topics of, like, religion and politics on first dates or, you know, meetups or blind dates mm-hmm. especially. But I feel like you kind of need to put it all out there. I, I think you put it all out there. I think honesty and transparency is important to Be having. yourself. Yeah, connective <laughs> tissue. But yeah. don't put them on the witness stand, though. Like, I, I'm There's not, like I'm not here for there, the, like, you know. It's like a really thin line yeah, there. Yeah, but you do need to know right away. I agree. But, but so, sometimes the witness stand exposes evidence that makes you want to say, you know, I got I got to leave this thing. You know? Okay, Andrews, but oh, I hear you, and I'm and I'm with you. But then I'm also like, okay, we're at a coffee shop. It's our, you know, our Fair first enough. date. We just met on Match.com. Like you're like, so I'm a Christian. Are you like before yeah. the coffee is even cool? Because even it's saying tough. you're a Christian it doesn't say a whole lot these right, days. That's right? true. It doesn't necessarily equate to what your values are, to what you do or don't do, to what you do that's girded by your faith, and what you do because you just it's like tricky. to do it. So even that label doesn't help a lot in the conversation. So I think it's important to have a real conversation about the person and add faith to it versus just like starting from like these labels of like what it means to be Christian or not Christian. That's interesting. And speaking of faith, okay, I also have two girlfriends who regularly pray pray for their husbands. Okay. Like they have a detailed prayer. Like, nice. dear Lord, this is what he, he needs to be. Five, five, <laughs> make six, figure. no, just kidding. But they have specific. I was about to say, short brothers are in again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, they come, and, they come and go. No, but. Oh. <laughs> sorry. It's sorry, short here. fellas. But truly, like oh, I have yeah. sisters out here who are praying for a man. Mm-hmm. Gabby, I got to ask you, like, do you recommend people pray specifically for the type of man they're looking for or woman? I think it's good to pray for character traits. Mm. Um, I don't think it's good to pray for what they're going to look like physically. But I always tell people, men and female, and males and women, that you should be attracted to the person at some point. Like, that is, so, it's like, important. You, it can't just be a checklist of like, they have everything else, but I have no attraction. Right. But I don't think that should necessarily be the main thing. Because you are spending a lifetime with these You're spending people, a lifetime this with this person. So I think you can pray over attributes and traits because that'll help you recognize it more. I do think that when you're in prayer more, you can see different attributes that somebody may have when you're spending downtime with them that you may have been closed off to if you weren't in prayer about what you're looking for. And it works. We have had yeah. a lot of readers at Essence who write in and, you know, they are, we're featuring their weddings and bridal bliss and they're like, I prayed for this man mm-hmm. and he appeared or I prayed for this woman and I love that. Andrew, what do you think? You know, I, I think uh, it's important to encourage folks to, this is on the question of women praying for. Yeah, like, or men. Like, do men pray for their, I mean, I'm sure they do. They pray for the you wife know, they want. The, the, the prayer piece I see with brothers is often different uh, and this is helping folks to get to a place where they're comfortable building with someone maybe earlier in their career than they may have anticipated mm-hmm. because a lot of guys want to just hustle hard in your 20s, 30s, and then maybe mid, later 30s, you think about settling down and, and, and maybe getting married or dating seriously. Right, it's a later progression. Yes, a later progression. For the fellas. Mm. But, but sometimes um, there can be greater joy, you know, if you mm. decide to, you know, adjust your timeline a little bit and, and start the, the dating process earlier. Okay, now don't get me all, but mm-hmm. we have to talk about sex, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Because when I think about a Christian relationship of any kind, especially just based on what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, when people share, like, you know, what their sort of their own personal rules are mm-hmm. and guidelines for, you know, looking for a Christian relationship mm-hmm. or a coupling or see, I'm still confused. We have to still break it down. But is sex something that are we still saying in the church, like, wait until marriage? Is that still the the rule? Like, because I, I don't know that everybody follows that. Yeah, so it's still, I think, a standard that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think it's one that couples always feel beholden to. Okay. We're finding more and more that couples are having those conversations with each other 
and, and making like their make own decisions. individual decisions. Yeah. I mean, for us, I think that it's still like, I think it's still great to be abstinent mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship, but I don't think that has to omit intimacy. We just did a series on how to be like physically intimate with people without sleeping with them, but how to still be physically intimate. Which is important because, if yeah, that's the call you're going to make. Right. Because yeah. I think that regardless of whether you all are sleeping together or not, there needs to be some intimacy that's different from like a friendship. And, you know, I, I think that's important. So you find younger couples are kind of saying like, hey, guys. Guys, Gabby, Andrew, we really want to, you know, do this and go this journey, but we like sex. Like, yeah, we, that's I mean, a real thing. Honestly, more so our couples like who are in their 30s, right? Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of people who are, um, you know, not sure if marriage is for them, but they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. They feel really good about it. They're like, I'm growing. I've done everything else. Um, I've had sex before. Like, I'm not a virgin. And right. this is not. Like, I've it. done that. Yeah. And this is a part that, of my life that I'm continually negotiating. And, you know, we just try to help them negotiate that, you know, with, okay, if this is the standard but if this is what you're looking to do in modification towards that standard make sure at least you're make sure at least you're considering you know all the implications of what it may be for you personally for you in that relationship for your relationship with god um absolutely i think another thing that's connected to that is we we teach um the importance of consent because in uh, a lot of dating spaces you, you can push against consent not only in terms of sex but in terms of uh touch and kissing and these sorts of things and um Given the kind of rape culture sort of context that we're in, we really want to make sure that folks are being respectful and mm-hmm. having a and clear, clear, a healthy sense of desire being expressed, and also refusal when that needs mm-hmm. to happen. You know, and caring for their spiritual temples. I mean, even if you choose to be sexually active, there's a way that you can go about that. That cares for yourself like what can we talk about that yeah i mean instead of just like being out there like every night just trying to take home whoever you can take home there's a difference between that Uh and being in a committed relationship and choosing to engage you know in sex and i still think that even in that committed relationship i think it's far better to hold out until marriage i'm still i'm still in that camp Mm -hmm. but i do think there's also a difference between i'm gonna just sleep with whoever i want to sleep with and i'm gonna have some parameters and some regulations around and be a little more intentional yeah and and be a little bit and care a little bit more about like your soul and who you're connecting yourself to and how that you know how that connects to your faith Yeah. Now, I always like to kind of end with a, a lesson and a love note. Like, what are we getting from this, right? Mm-hmm. What I would love to hear what you guys think. What's the role that you feel that God and faith should play in a healthy relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think in a healthy relationship, if you are um, a believer, then your spouse is like your partner in everything. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to take that lightly. Mm-hmm. Like, you really want to make sure that this is somebody that you want to be joined with, who you can be vulnerable with, who you can be vulnerable with, who you can grow with, who you can share with. And I think that God can, praying and being honest in your prayers, God will show you if that person really is for you mm-hmm. or if that person is great on paper, but not down the line. I think it's important to actually react to what God reveals to us when we pray. Interesting. So you pray almost for guidance and for clarity and for Yeah, because this person confirmation. Yeah, because this person is going to be doing everything with you and they can be a hindrance everything. in every aspect of your life if that's not the person that you should have. And maybe you were just meant to be friends. And yeah. what do you think? What's the yeah, what's the role? You know, I, I think um faith and God can help um, folks in a relationship move towards continual discovery and taking adventure together mm-hmm. uh, because the person that you meet when you start dating when you get married is not going to be the same person three, four years down the line. And so you got to be comfortable with the core promises that you made because you're going to be meeting a different person every three, four, five years. And so having the promise, you know, kind of endure even though stuff cycles differently is helpful. 
Black Love Excellence in the house, you guys. Thank you guys so much for Thank coming you. through to inspire us. And tell them, tell them again where they can find you in New York yes. for more love and inspiration. Absolutely. So we're at the Greater Allen Cathedral of New York out in Jamaica, Queens. And we would love to have you guys visit us. Thank I'd you guys to. so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Special, special thanks to our guests this week, Lena Wade and the Wilkes. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with my Nigerian sister, Lovely Ajay, Nisi Nash, and Remy Ma. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media. Shout out Bob for their production work. And thanks, to, of course, to our sponsor, Casper. Please support them the way they support this podcast. Bye, love. Bye.